0: Well, hundreds of years before Jesus uh, was born in Bethlehem, God's Old Testament people were having a hard time of their own. They were living in darkness, fearful gloom was basically their experience. And God sent a messenger to them, not an angel, but a prophet called Isaiah, to promise them something light. Here's what we read. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upwards will curse their king and their god. Then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. As warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder, for as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, A son is given, and the government will be on His shoulders, and He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of His government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. This is God's Word from Isaiah 8 and 9. Well, 2020 has without doubt been a year that we will never ever forget. It's been crazy, hasn't it? I mean, this meme for me really captures 2020 brilliantly. If 2020 was a slide, this would be what it feels like. You know, in January and February, we queued inside supermarkets, not outside. Uh, We said hello nicely to passers-by, not two meters and things like that. Before lockdown, our kids would cry at school, I want my mum, but in lockdown, they'd cry at home, I want my teacher. (laughs) It's been so weird. I mean, who would have thought that the saying, I wouldn't go near him with a six-foot barge pole would become government policy? Who would have thought that we'd be cutting our own hair and wearing face masks? Who would have thought that we would completely change the way that we open a door? you know, you know, January and February we would just go up to a door and you would just open the door and walk through it but now there's this thing where you kind of put your, your jacket over your sleeve you try to think about which bit of this door handle no one ever touched before you try and touch the top bit and then you sneak through as best you can it's completely crazy it's been crazy but all joking aside as well it's also been hard I don't think I'll ever forget watching Boris Johnson's speech back in March when he looked the British public in the eye and said, I must level with you. Families are going to lose loved ones before their time. We've had daily reminders of this through graphs like these. It's been hard for those who've lost loved ones to this virus, it's been hard for those who have seen their businesses or their jobs just go. It's been hard for those who've lost their ability to cope because they've lost the joy and the ability to see and to embrace friends and family. What's it been like for you? What's your experience been? What words would you use to describe your 2020? And the key question is, What's your hope for the future? Where do you put your hope? It's a vaccine for most of us, right? I mean, let's get immune so we can get back on with our lives. But no sooner has a nurse jabbed the first vaccine into a person's arm do we get the news, it's mutated. Lockdown three. And everybody gulps again. And panics inwardly, just a little bit about just how long this might actually go on for. Well, let me show you in the next few minutes from the passage that we've just read why these ancient words from Isaiah about a child whose birth is celebrated at Christmas has way more relevance than perhaps we even realize. Let me tell you two things from this passage, two main things. First of all, God gives these people back then and indeed us today a word for their experience and it's the word darkness that's a word that's repeated again and again I don't have have time to give you a full rundown of the backdrop to what's happening to God's people here in Old Testament times but let me summarize it in this way death itself is casting a long long shadow over them And it's not a virus that's casting the shadow, it's an army. Enemy troops are invading and there's no protection, no amount of staying home or staying safe will save lives. And it's not a passing darkness either, it's actually a continual darkness. This passage says there is not even a glimmer of hope on the horizon, no light on the horizon whatsoever. I wonder if you know how that feels. I was scared of the dark when I was a kid, and my bedroom was pitch black, properly black. I I hated it. I mean, even if the monster under my bed actually stood in front of my face, I wouldn't have been able to see it. It was that black, but at least I could wait out the darkness. At least I knew that dawn would come, not these people. Dawn. They, they have no light of dawn, it says. They have only darkness. Now, that in itself is their experience, but it's also a distressing experience for them. To them, there is no hope and no future. Gloom is their lot, but not, not only gloom, fearful gloom, fearful gloom. And we know a bit about what that feels like in these times in 2020. I mean, Mental health statistics tell us that we know all about this kind of gloom in days like these. But in a way, the people back then were bringing some of this on themselves. You see, there actually was wisdom available for them to help navigate their way through these difficult and shadowy days. There was actually some hope for a new dawn for them, and they should have known where to look. Verse 19 says, should should people not in days like these inquire of their God? Should they not ask about, do these things not just grab people by the shoulders and say, look up, look to God, listen to what He says? But no, they don't. Their hearts are hard. Actually, they look at the situations round about them that should make them look up to God, but they just get angry at God instead. They blame Him for stuff. Maybe you do too. Or maybe you didn't know to go to God to understand who He is. Well, this passage highlights for you, even if you didn't know that, that that's exactly what you can do in uncertain and unprecedented times like these but please don't make the mistake that these folks back then fell for, who fell for conspiracies or consulted crystal balls or looked to the world's wisdom for guidance and for governance. Is that where you look? Do we look to the governments of Holyrood and Westminster as our saviors? They've got it sorted. Do we look to the scientists? Do we look to money? Do we look to relationships? My goodness, we have been stripped of all kinds of comforts and securities, haven't we? This passage and many other passages in the Bible actually say, if we don't look to God, life isn't going to make much sense. And death itself will keep on casting a dark shadow, a distressing, endless shadow over us. Well, maybe this describes 2020 for you. Or life for a long time, even before. If darkness is the word you'd use to describe your own experience, I have got some bad news for you. The darkness is worse than you think. You see, the darkness that Isaiah talks about here is not just something that's around people, it's something that's in people. It's called sin. And the darkness that that is used, the darkness that's referenced in the Bible speaks of two things in particular, evil and ignorance, so that's not looking to God, that's the evil bit, you know, he's made us to know him and hold out his goodness, but we kind of palm him off for something less than he, he, he is, that's called sin, and the Bible says uh, honestly that that is evil, and not knowing God is the consequence of that that 's the ignorance that i 'm talking about. Now, all of which means we 're in a sorrier state than we realize it 's not our, our problems aren 't just outside of us they 're inside of us too but here 's the good news that Christmas brings God gives us the gift of his very own solution. God gives us. Light for our darkness in the gift of his son. Our problem, darkness. His solution, light. Jesus himself is the light of the world. He's the one who's promised. He's the child that's promised in this passage. It said in chapter 9, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. At last, there's a dawn. There's a glimmer of light on the horizon. Where, though? Where are, we, where are we supposed to look? Well, the passage tells us Isaiah drops the pen, Galilee, land of Naphtali. Yeah, the place where Jesus would himself grow up. Though he was born in Bethlehem, he grew up in the northern region. And to those who are in distress, this son holds out delight, not distress, The exact opposite. I mean, joy is used, is the word that's used again and again in this passage to describe the effect that this new light has on the people. It's the kind of joy that you have in those special times of celebration that we would routinely have in those special Christmas times. But where is this light and this joy to be found? Amazingly, in a baby who is And that's astonishing, that God would leave behind and come down, leave behind heaven and come down in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, to be born as a baby, you know, ten fingers, ten toes, to be, to have elbows and hair and to be human, to feel deeply, to live the kind of lives that we live and yet in himself to be truly deity, truly God. Verse 6, for to us a child is given, to us a son is born, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Do you know what we need in pandemic or in peace, in darkness, or in light, in good times. We need someone wonderful to give us wisdom and guidance to walk in light and not in darkness. Well, the baby in the manger is the wonderful counselor. And at Christmas time, the message is receive him. And we need someone powerful to rescue us from our enemies too and I'm talking particularly about spiritual enemies of sin and death. Well, the child the shepherd sought that first Christmas, as we read early on, is the mighty God. And the appeal of the passage is, receive Him. He's light for our darkness. He's joy for our distress. And what do we need? We need someone who never leaves us alone, but is always there to to bless us, and to ease our distress, then the one that in another passage in Matthew we would read, the Magi worshiped Him, the Son, the baby, as He's the everlasting Father. The call of God's Word is to receive Him. And we certainly need someone who's going to stand in the gap to reconcile sinful people like us to the God who is to be feared above all armies and viruses. Well, the baby heralded by angels is the Prince of Peace, who grew as a man and would die on a cross to pay the penalty for the sin of all who would receive Him. So, receive Him is the call of this passage. Now, why do I keep saying receive Him? Because ultimately, it it has to do with receiving gifts, and He is a gift. That's what you do with gifts. You you receive them. You accept them. And that's important to remember that distinction. He is a gift to us. His coming is not a reward. We didn't deserve Him. Uh, His coming is not a wage. We didn't earn His visitation. No, He's a gift. God gave Him out of love for us John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him might not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, to receive Him is to believe in Him. And I wonder, have you? This might well be the hardest gift you've ever had to receive, if indeed you haven't. Because, you see, most gifts are received with joy. Uh, Even the gifts that we don't necessarily want are received with ease. But not this one, and here's why. Because receiving Christ means you really need to humble yourself. And we're not very good at that. It means seeing yourself as God sees you in order to accept the gift God holds out to you. Think of it like this. Imagine you're opening a present from a friend on Christmas morning, and it's a dieting book. What are you gonna think about that? And then you open up the second gift from another friend who knows you well, one of your besties, and it's a book called Overcoming Selfishness. Well, if you text them later saying, thank you so much for your kindness, and you actually mean it, you are essentially admitting that you are, well, unfit and obnoxious, (laughs) to be honest. Now, that's a hard thing to do. Uh, Those aren't recommended gifts, by the way. Uh, Some gifts are hard to receive, though, because you have to admit that the gift calls you to change. And now receiving Christ essentially requires the same to receive this gift of light for our darkness or joy for our gloom, our fearful gloom, for our distress, we need to recognize our need of Him. We have to see how much we need this gift to truly experience the joy of His light and His salvation. Otherwise, the Bible says in complete honesty, that the fearful gloom will continue forever. So, let me encourage you to look that little bit more closely, perhaps, than you ever have done on any other Christmas before this one. And let the pain and the difficulty, even if it's been something of a kind of a lazy breeze for you, 2020, Let the setting that we find ourselves in, in these days, cause you just to think that little bit closely, more closely about the baby that was born in the manger, about who he is, and why he came. This may actually be the best Christmas you have ever, ever had, if you receive Him. We sing, we who believe in the Lord Jesus ourselves. though even as Kyle expressed earlier on, even as we've all experienced hardships and difficulties in this time, we can still in our heart of hearts trust in the Lord and sing joy to the world in a pandemic. But if you will not receive Christ, what will you sing? There's not much to sing. So, my encouragement for you, in a pandemic, in a 2020 like this, sing about the sun. Sing about the light of the world who brings joy to the world, who brings joy to those who humble themselves before Him and receive Him by saying sorry for their sins and believing in his death on the cross that it was for them that it was for you and that by believing have life in his name and light forevermore so come friends let us adore him and let's stand and sing